Aloha, Soul here, your host for Pay Radio, also the author of Pay Me What I'm Worth, and I'd like to welcome you back to the show. For those of you who have joined us for the first time, welcome to our family. We have hundreds of on-demand radio shows just waiting for you to take a listen. Many of them are actual classes that we do with folks who are on a journey to learn more about who they are and what they're called to do. In this episode, Rick and Shirley, both acquaintances of Marcia Sortino, learn two things. One, how Penny What I'm Worth came to be, and two, what is the journey that they'll take should they qualify to join Marcia Sortino's class. At the end of the program, you'll learn how to contact Marcia so that you can inquire as to when her next class will be. Enjoy the show. want to introduce you to Soul Dancer. He's actually written a book called Pay Me What I'm Worth. This is basically a one-year journey that we get to take where we explore ourselves. That is exactly what I'm doing is I am exploring. It's such a different program. It's so refreshing. It really helps me to get in touch with me. I know people are probably curious about it because I'm posting all over Facebook about it, and they're wondering, what is she doing? What's she up to? What I really enjoy about Soul's class is you are given the answers and you're not told what to think or how a successful person thinks, but so it's self-development, but you have to find your own answers. We have Soul guiding us. He, he really makes us stretch, I'm going to tell you. I've been going through the book, and I've been like, whoa, <laughs> do I even want to answer that question, okay? Before I go on, I'd like to introduce to you Soul Dancer. So I'd like to introduce to you Rick and Shirley. They are two of my good friends on Facebook, Dr. Rick, I should say. I'm not sure, Rick, I've never really asked you what, you what your field is as a doctor, but I'd love to hear it. And Shirley, you already know Soul, so, and basically, I know the next question is, is that his real name? And yes, it is. So, I'm going to hand it over to Soul. Thank you. I'm curious myself. I mean, yes, I've had a little bit of a chance to chat just a teeny bit with Shirley, but not that much. So, before we really dive in, I... I'd really like to get to know both of you also, and Shirley, I'm just curious. How about a little introduction on your end and maybe some initial curiosity questions? All right. My name is Shirley May. I live in a little town called Wyoming, Ohio, which is just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. I've lived here most of my life. Born in here, and I lived for a little while and lived in California for a little while, and then I came back here. Went to Wyoming High School, graduated from that. I did not go to college. My things I like to do, I like to read books. I like true story books, uh, biography books. I like horses and cats and dogs. When I was smaller, I liked chipmunks until one bit me, so let's stop that. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> I know, and I was scared to death that I never would tell my mother. And she, one time she says, what's wrong with your finger? Well, that was where the chipmunk got a hold of me. And that chipmunk did not let loose for a long time. I stood there and I shook that thing and it wouldn't let loose. Oh. And, and then 
my mother one time I heard her talk about rabies and when you get bit by an animal and how you had to get shots in the stomach. I did not tell her I got bit by that thing. Oh, God. I, I did not want shots in my stomach. <laughs> so I never did tell her, and I didn't get sick from it, so I was lucky. <laughs> yay, yay, yay. So that's basically me. Uh, anything else you want to know? Well, we'll dive a little further into that. Just living on the Big Island, one of the things I chuckle about is I moved to Punta Palisades from San Diego, and after I got to live in San Diego for a while, I kind of felt like I was living in a small town, but then uh, <laughs> as soon as I moved out of the Big Island, it's just one big small town. <laughs> <laughs> so why are they called the Big Island? <laughs> it's just a little bit larger than the rest, and Dr. Uh, Rick. Would you concur, would you say that the Big Island is just kind of one big small town? Oh, yes, it is. You can't get away with anything here. Rick, I envy you because I always see you surfing. Every time I get in Facebook. <laughs> I got to get my exercise a couple of days a week. So I've been a surfer for yeah. 30 years, and I'm a soul traveler. And I'm living on the Big Island. I went to school here. I worked in surgery for 25 years and taught surgeons how to do surgery. They gave me a doctorate, an honorary doctorate. I've never really had a real formal education. I've educated myself from brain surgery to delivering babies. I have a wonderful life, and my family lives here with me. I couldn't really ask for anything else in my life, really. Wow. Um, I've been with the same yeah. lady for 26 years now, I think. She'll probably correct me from the background. <laughs> Hey, get her on the... I want to hear the alternate story. Yeah, oh, gosh. Oh, we've been through a lot. We've been through an incredible spiritual journey, let's call it, an awakening. I was hit by lightning twice. We lost our home. We were homeless, and now we own our own property, and it's paid off. And, I mean, it's just been an amazing journey. And it all stems from thoughts are things. Yeah, come up with what you're thinking about, at least in our world. We always wanted to live here. We always wanted to be free, get out of the mainstream of society. We've accomplished that. I want to get to know what you guys are doing more and stuff. Always when Marcia... I'm uh, so happy to hear that. Yeah. You would really rock with this program, I'm going to tell you. And you're kind of like me. You kind of sense when you see something awesome, you just know it. And that's how I felt. I'm going to turn this over to Saul, and I'm going to ask him how he got inspired to write this book. Oh, cool. Thank you. The meditation that I had, I came out of it weeping because I got into such a state of gratitude, and largely because I sensed the passing of one of my first most cherished spiritual teachers, and sure enough, she reached out during her passing, and I didn't even know where she was in the world, and I learned through the grapevine that she had died later, but it was right during the time I was meditating. And during this meditation, I was recounting how blessed I am because of her and how much of an asshole I was when I was her student and how wise she was to look past that, to see in me what I was not able to see yet. And it just came over me like a, a tidal wave. I was on the beach in Encinitas, and I was just weeping for gratitude that this 
person had such patience and such wisdom to just let me unfold, let me find myself. She created that space to help me do that. She taught me those skills. And this weird thing popped into my mind that if somehow I were able to maybe like create a online gaming program or, or something where I'm earning just boatloads of money every second of every day, that if I paid her every penny of that, it still would not represent my gratitude to her. I could not think of how I could demonstrate to her the worth that she she came to me. And so I took some time, and then I, I dropped back into meditation again, and I got this very clear feeling that I'm supposed to be a published author. And I'm like, yeah, okay. One of the things that I've learned in my spiritual journeying is when I get a really strong vision, I have to be really mindful that there's this whole thing of timing and just because I might get that vision doesn't mean I'm supposed to run right out there and start doing whatever's in that vision. I've done that, gotten smacked upside the head a few times from that. <laughs> I told my guides, all right, fine, here's the deal. If I'm supposed to be a published author, I want a cosmic two-by-four upside the head. I don't want the butterfly flying in front of my nose. I don't want the caterpillar that I just happened to catch out of the corner of my eye. Give me something that's abundantly clear that I'm supposed to start writing. Writing I don't know what, but that I'm supposed to start writing. Left the beach, went home, cleaned up, went over to my favorite coffee shop in Encinitas. Sat down, started my morning writing. And I just vaguely was aware of someone who passed me and sat down behind me. And about an hour later, I got up to get refresh my tea and stuff. And the guy behind me, it was abundantly clear he was editing something because he had paper all around him and he had his pen and he's editing. And I said, oh, you must be editing a manuscript or something. And he goes, yeah, I'm a published author and my manuscript, I got to get it in by five o'clock today. And I'm like, oh, crap. Here's the cosmic two by four. I could just feel it. I'm like, damn it. I had to ask for it, didn't I? Okay. So I tried to wheedle my way out of it. And I just said, well, good luck. I know you're on deadline and I live just around the corner, but I do have some questions about the whole writing publishing thing. And one day if you're back again, maybe we can have some time to talk. And he looked me square in the eye and said, no, no, I, I'm, I'm ready to take a break. Why don't we, you know, what questions do you have? And so I always do things in threes, especially in these situations, because I know that sometimes people just need a graceful way out, right? So I said, well, that is really so kind of you, but it's 2 o'clock now. You've got three hours. It looks like you've got a lot there left to edit. Like I say, I'm here every single day. So how about if we schedule something for tomorrow? And he said, would you shut up and quit being controlling? What are your questions? <laughs> I'm like... Okay, baseball bat upside the head number two. Got it. All right. Well, we conclude a very insightful conversation, and I go, fine, I'm supposed to start writing. What the hell am I supposed to start writing? So I drop back into meditation, and the title, Pay Me What I'm Worth, came up. And I said, really? It's 2006. Pay me what I'm worth. Seriously? Come on, this book has got to have been written 97 different ways from Sunday, right? Well, went out to Google, 
pay me what I'm worth. Tons of articles about negotiating salaries and stock options and that sort of stuff. Okay. No book. Fine. What's my next step? All right, Amazon, right? I mean, Amazon's kind of like the mother load of at least books that are online for sale or whatever. So I went out to Amazon. Pay me what I'm worth. Nothing. A lot of good suggestions, but nothing. Well, now search engines are picky. Pay me what I am worth. No, I'm. I am worth. You know how picky they are, right? Nothing. I'm like, oh, crap. You re- Seriously? So I thought, okay, what's my next step? And I figured, all right, Library of Congress, right? They're kind of like, at least for the United States, they're the mother load of all titles, and that's where you begin to get your copyright certificate. So I went out and figured out how to do the searches. No book with that title. It's 2006. And words that are being muttered every single day, there's no book. And I'm going, okay, I'm still in denial. I still don't think I'm supposed to write. I'm still trying to shrug this off. So I said to my guys, fine, whatever. I'll write the book, but here's my last line of defense. (laughs) Got to have the domain name. I mean, in today's world, if you're going to have a book, you got to have the domain name that goes with the book title, right? Well, Rick, Shirley, I don't know if you're aware of these people that go out there and they buy up domain names like by the bazillions. Yes, I'm one of them. (laughs) Oh, aha. Now, okay. Well, you know what I'm talking about. I was almost certain that paymewhatiamworth.com would be taken. Nope. So, as soon as I purchased the domain names, I had this really huge rush of energy through me. Within 15 minutes, I had the table of contents channeled. Within 45 days, I had a rough manuscript. And the person who is a professional editor could not believe I wrote that book in 45 days. Because when she proofed it, she found some small grammatical errors but she believed it was a finished manuscript, and in 15 years, she had never gotten a manuscript from a first-time author that was that complete. That is so cool. Wow. To this day, I, <laughs> I will read parts of the book. I'm, I know I typed it, but I don't remember typing it. Marsha, I can't help but wonder the reason why this program captured your attention is because, first off, it was channeled work. And I know that what's in the book is a combination of my master's in social work, my minor in human relationships. I'm a monk in three different orders, a shaman in four traditions. I know there's parts of me woven in there, but honestly, the way it flowed and how quickly it flowed and how it builds upon each other the fact that it happened in 45 days, I think it was a sign that I'm supposed to get out there and wake people up to their worth. Yes, absolutely. I've been in this journey for four months now, and I was just so amazed at really the aha moments I started having as I did the exercises in the book. I mean, it's a word book. So you're going to take it for life, and you. So I went to your website and I listened to 
a few of the people that have taken the classes and the interviews, and I'm just blown away, completely blown away. I love the fact that it's about me. I can share with my children who are so far away here in Hawaii, and this is something that I can cherish for the rest of my life because I feel the difference. For so many people, especially me, this actually was so inspiring to be able to to go through the exercises and see every part of me, <laughs> every part of that timeline that I'm making for myself, and then know that I'm worthy of everything that I'm going to be doing and that I'm worth it. That's a pretty place. I'm not told how to get the answers or what the right answers are, but I'm actually being. I'm in that space where I discover all those answers. And I liked that whole idea, and I said, this is a much better program for people because you are teaching me balance. You, you actually taught me balance, that there's a balance between giving and receiving, that if my cup was empty, how could I possibly keep giving when my cup wasn't even full? And I really, really appreciated understanding that. Well, the balancing that you bring up from a symbolic standpoint, Marsha, I'd like to you all to think about the shape of an hourglass. When you think of the shape of an hourglass where it's tall at the top, narrow at the neck, and then tall at the bottom, or wide at the bottom, wide at the top, narrow in the middle, from a three-dimensional aspect, what symbol does that inspire? If you think of the numbers 1 through 10, what number comes to mind when you envision an hourglass? Eight. Exactly. And what is the symbol of eight if you turn it on its side? Infinity. Bingo. And that's so funny because I was born on April 8th. So the 8th is my day. <laughs> and I'm leaning. I've always liked the number eight. I don't know why. The timeline, if you think about this, if you think of infinity, if you think of eight, the symbol of eight, the shape of eight, is the way your journey is laid out for you in Pay Me What I'm Worth. May I expand that? Please do. Yes, please do. I'll start this explanation along the lines of being as transparent as I can be, I have been known to lose something in the house, and I will shred the house. I will turn it upside down, inside and out. I'll, I will search the garage. I'll search the office. I can't find what I'm looking for. It pisses me off. I want it. So what do I do as I go to the store where I know I can buy another one? And because whatever it is that I'm looking for obviously is purposefully hiding itself. Do you think I can find it in the store? No. I know it's there. But because I'm also a man, do you think I'll ask for help? And inevitably, I'll finally break down and I'll turn to a clerk and say, here's what I'm looking for. Do you guys still carry this? And, of course, the clerk looks at me as if I'm completely blind and they'll just point at it right in front of my nose. Right there, right? (laughs) Have anybody else ever had that happen to them before? Of course. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes. 
And then to add insult to injury, as soon as I walk in the door with the bag of the thing that I've been looking for, and I sit it down and I open up the bag, what do you think I find right in front of my nose in my own home? (laughs) What you were looking for to begin with. Well, on this journey, consider me your clerk. Yeah. The journey I lay out for us is we begin with the wide angle of the hourglass. I ask you to get remembered by remembering who you are. I take you on a journey. First, we start out in the concrete world, your stuff world, your material world, and we wake up some awarenesses about what does your stuff mean to you? How does your stuff, you can touch it, taste it, see it, smell it, what does that do for you? How does that affect your sense of worth? So that we can get it in balance with our next step, more of the more esoteric world, the skills world, the traits world. We do a skills inventory. And and Marcia, you were kind of blown away with that skills inventory. Yes, because I think I really looked at skills as something that you could list and that had an end. But then I realized, really, there are so many skills we have that it's never ending. It's just going to be never ending, even the little skills it takes to boil an egg. And it's very easy to discount. I mean, Dr. Rick, you can do things that I would find mind-boggling. I couldn't even begin to wrap my brain around it right now, but because you've done it so many times, you don't even think twice. Same thing with you, Shirley. There are certain things that you do that you've done so often, it's like breathing. You don't even think about it, yeah? Everybody is that is that way, right? Yeah, I'm that way. Because Shirley would have to be Marcia. She has crazy skills. I mean, when she, she doesn't even know the skills she has when she talks to people, when she interacts to people. I mean, holy crap. I mean... Lady is talented, let me tell you. In essence, as we get into our skills inventory, my goal is the more we are awake and aware of our skills, even the most minute skills, the more we change our vibration to that of confidence, a compassionate confidence, the more we change our vibration to a sense of being grounded, that who we are and what we are as we are is perfect. The outcome of that that I have found for myself, I'm not speaking for anybody else, in the past when I used to attract people that wanted to take advantage of me or disrespect me or treat me in ways that weren't the most healthy, those people don't show up in my life anymore. And even better, I'm attracting people who are what I call more of a symbiotic relationship. I want to help them grow. They want to help me grow. And because they're helping me grow, I want to help them grow. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. So on this journey, as you wake up to what your material world means, when, when you wake up to what you're, who you are from a more esoteric standpoint, now that we've cleaned off your shelves of who and what you are, we start looking at relationships. And that's talk about the whole mentoring process. Yeah? Yes. The goal with this next step of our journey is finding someone who's doing what you really dream about doing and finding that person that can help you in a very symbiotic relationship. 
Marcia, is there something that's jumping out at you at this point? Absolutely. I'm coming across people that can help me with what I want to do. And Dr. Rick, um, you are one of them. <laughs> you said video marketing. <laughs> I'm talking, there's certain people that I know have the traits and the, and the talent that can help me, and I have reached out to them. I'm starting to feel that point where I'm starting to meet and really have good relationships with the people that I want to have good relationships with. I can't explain it. It's just what I feel. It's like that state of being that I'm in. So you're beginning to shift your energy. You're attracting to you those who are a little more in alignment of helping you blossom. Yeah? Yes. So our next step, as we get closer to the more narrow end of the top half of the hourglass, is I help you create what I call a worth timeline. Literally, you take an old roll of wrapping paper and you roll out about eight feet of it. And you're going to map out on a timeline all of the stuff that we've dug up in the first three chapters. And you're going to map out things like relationships and education and travel and money and health. You're going to match out things like careers and changes and trips and important people. You're going to map out all this stuff that basically is banging around in your head right now. But you probably haven't seen it visually. I do this one chapter all by itself as a retreat. And when people get their charts done and they stand back, kind of like you're looking at your own masterpiece painting, I have watched people literally transform right there because for the first time in their life, they see their patterns. Wow. It totally makes sense. Absolutely. Because I've never done that. The most profound thing I've ever experienced in my life is to see my patterns of success, my patterns of sabotage, my pat the patterns, the chorus lines of my life. I've never seen them. <laughs> so once we get through that exercise, I now have you in a space where you not only have your mountain level view of life, you're on the top of the mountain looking down into the valley and looking at your life from a very broad perspective. You've gotten so an awareness of your patterns. But you also have been at the street level. You've looked at the cobblestones. You've, you've turned over the stones. You've kicked open the garbage can. You, you have an intimate awareness of the micro and the macro level, yeah? This is where we go through the neck of the hourglass, Chapter 5. We now go from the me world, it's all about me, we get into the rest of the world. The first half of our book, chapters one through five, is learning how to receive. And I think, Marsha, I've really challenged you with this part, haven't I? Yes, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. It was really kind of difficult for me to even, I guess because I know 
my situation is the way it is. When I got to Boston, I didn't have that job. And so everybody that I talked to, everybody else had some sort of income. So for me to switch and take a look at this perspective in a different way was really difficult for me. But i got to tell you, it really did help me to say, yes, I want help. I need help. I accept help. There's been people that say they will help me, and honestly, <laughs> I don't know what happens to them, honestly. I wonder sometimes, and I know everybody has that journey that they go through part of that journey and they wonder. This program, when I got the book in my hand and I really started understanding the difference in the fact that how can I keep giving, 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 because that's basically what I was doing was I did a lot of giving, but it didn't seem like it ever came back quickly enough or fast enough. I don't know how to explain it. It just seemed like it consumed a lot of my time when I really didn't have all that time and I really needed to find something that would help me to grow and see my worth better. Thinking grow rich is great, but it wasn't really me taking my own journey into my work. So that was the reason why I was attracted to this program. I met Christina, who introduced me to you, and we talked, and you really helped me to see that there is balance, that there should be balance in giving and receiving. Now, I was just going to say, I know you have gone a lot, lot further in self-development just because when I got to know you, uh, I, your mental cleanse lessons were brilliant. You know, I could feel it. I could feel it. I have this intuitive sense about you, and both my wife and I are sitting here, yes, we need to learn how to receive better, yes, where do we get this book, yes, that everything this man said we understand and agree with. We've always loved what you brought to the table, you. When you bring something to the table, I always try to look at it and, and analyze it, and uh, this is the most profound thing that you've ever brought to me, and it's just exactly like, if I could just like ring a bell right now. Soul knows that. He, he, he knows it also, don't you? Get out of my mind, Rick. He's reading my mind. All right. Now we know. Got your number. No. <laughs> uh, um, this is exactly the path that we're on and when exactly what we were not looking for and needed. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> what I'm hearing is this program teaches you to think for yourself, for one, and not have somebody tell you what to think, and also to get in touch with your inner self, which everybody should do, but they don't, and to have a mentor that you can go to and talk about things and help you work through whatever you might be having. It's really much more than that. I can't even put it into words. It's so different. What I can say is that I really looked at this program and I said, wow, it includes advertising, it includes blog talk, radio. I mean, we do, there's so much here to actually, where we can 
help people, really help people, because we actually learn how to express ourselves to be able to say things that are feeling where our feelings are at in such a way that, wow, all of a sudden it's like you are awakened. You are realizing, you're feeling, you're so different. Every exercise challenges me to the next level. It challenges me to be, I mean, I've never had a program like this before. Ever. It's so refreshing. And the strange part is, is she keeps coming back for more. Even though it gets piled on and piled on, she keeps coming back to the table. So, okay. <laughs> well, that's Marsha. <laughs> Let me take you the rest of the way through the hourglass. The first half of the book is about learning how to receive by awakening your awareness on how many different ways we may have been blocking what's waiting for us. It broadens our vision to see that there's so much out there waiting for us to tap into. But because we've had our blinders on from this notion that we have to give, give, give before we can receive, we've blocked ourselves from receiving. So as we get into the second half, as we pass through the hourglass neck and getting into the second half of the book, chapters 6 through 10, the first half of the book is very you-focused, very me-focused. It's like you staring into the mirror. Then, once we get into the second half of the book, now I'm going to say, okay, I need you to pack your bags, I need you to walk to your front door, and I need you to willingly open that front door, and I invite you to step through that front door and learn how to give in a way that is absolutely different than any way that you've ever given before. Strings-free, expectations-free, abundance-oriented, that whatever we're giving out, we just know it's going to be returning to us tenfold. And so the second half of the book is more like the Buddhist, I'm actually a Buddhist monk, it's more of a Buddhist polishing the mirror sort of perspective. It's in chapter six, I do what I call you get what you pay for, well, otherwise known as karma, yeah? Right. <laughs> What's everybody's definition of karma? Good question. I said that's a good question. You know, there's so many different definitions to karma, and I've always thought it's sort of like something you sort of get back what what you give out in a way. If you're a mean SOB and you go around being mean to people, that you'll probably die a mean death or something like that. You know, I mean that's sort of more. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know it's much more. Please, please tell us what. Explain to us how we can discover the definition of karma for ourselves, soul, because I'd love to. I equate karma to the, uh, a computer where how many different ways can you copy-paste on a computer? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a bunch uh, of different ways. Yeah, a ton a of different, different ways. ways. Yep. Endless, I mean, you can, you can use your mouse, you can use your keyboard, you can use the menus. There's all different ways to copy-paste, right? Yeah. Right. Is any one way officially better than the other? No. Never. No. It really boils down to what you're comfortable with, right? Right. Right. Have you mm-hmm. ever changed something where you're used to doing a, a command X to copy or cut, and then you get a new something, and it's no longer command X, it's some other keystroke, and you're like, damn it. All right, <laughs> got to learn something new. What, what's it, what is it to cut? Right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. 
Well, karma, to me, there's no definitive. In Chapter 6, what I posit the notion of is what goes around comes around. So whatever it is I put out into the world, I need to be very conscious that whatever it is that I'm putting out in the world, I want it back around to me. And so in Chapter 6, I lead you through an exercise called mental laundry. And I have you bust out the detergent forgiveness versus the knockoff brand forgetfulness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's awesome. a big difference. Big, yeah. big, 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 big difference. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the second half of the book, Learning How to Give, it's more of polishing our way of what are some of those beliefs that we have so rooted in us, we're not even aware of it. To help exemplify this, I use the old joke, cut the ends of the ham off joke. Does anybody know this joke? No. 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 Oh, come on. You've never heard the cut the ends of the ham off joke? Oh, my God. Oh, cut the, ha- the ends of the ham off? Yeah. Like when they're, you're cooking? Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that one. All right, what's your version? <laughs> okay. Let's pretend it's me, okay? <laughs> I got this ham I'm going to put in the oven, so I put it in the pot, and it won't fit. So I try to make it fit and find a bigger pot, and Grandma says, no, you don't have to find a bigger pot. All you have to do is cut the ends off and put it in the pot. And that's the story that I heard, and I don't know if that's what yeah, you're that's talking about. That's pretty much it. Yeah. There's, you know, the old story of, how one generation will pass on a a, a particular way of doing something. And because we were taught that, nine out of ten, what we were taught in our infancy, we probably never questioned. Right. Right? Right. We did it. So I would teach my kids to do the same thing. (laughs) And so on and so on until somebody someday says, Shirley, why the hell are you cutting the ends off? Is there something wrong with the ham? (laughs) Right. So I invite you in the second half of the book to look at all of these cherished beliefs from angles that you may not necessarily have seen before. And by looking at those beliefs, we begin to recognize how we shape what we think and what we say and what we do so that we align chapter 9, for example, as we get to the bottom half of the hourglass, chapter 10 is our last chapter, Chapter 9 talks about ethics and integrity. Who wants to take a stab at their definition of ethics and integrity? Wow. <laughs> Where do you oh, start? Come on. Don't Where make you... me call on people in the class. Come on now. <laughs> start, soul, with something like that. Where do you start? I mean, ethics and integrity is like treating people like you want to be treated and doing things... Don't do things to other people that you don't want done to you or something like that, right? Do unto others? Yep. Golden rule. That's what I would yeah. say. Something like that. I mean, I, I treated yeah. every patient that came into surgery. That's my patient. And it's like my mother laying on the table or it's like my daughter or whatever. I protect oh, wow. that. Like, what, that My life depends on that patient getting out of the room. That's how I was taught. And to me, that's ethics and integrity. Not being hit hypocritical right how do you define morals then morals are these conditioned things that have been been bred into us and conditioned through literature and social pressure 
is what morals are. I mean, the true definition of morals, but if you're talking about morals for myself, that's where I've got all my morals from, is from society, really. And then I had to, like, erase the ones that I didn't like and work and get some more for myself. Is that how you define it also, Shirley? Well, a lot of morals you get from your parents and siblings and stuff like that as you grow up, I think. But, I mean, I know I did. Let me toss this concept out. Is it fair to say that the more complex something is, the more difficult, the more likely you're going to feel like you screwed up? Sure. Yeah. If you, you can't simplify things, then in your mind, then it is difficult to figure out if you screwed up or not. You can't even figure out if you screwed up because you could rationalize one way or the other. So in that flavor, in Chapter 9, I posit this notion that ethics and integrity are very simple things, that unfortunately most dictionaries marry ethics with morals, and they should not be married. Ethics is quite simple. Ethics are word equal deed, period. So, Shirley, if I tell you that I'm going to show up at 6 o'clock tonight at your front door, and I'm going to ring your doorbell, and when you open up the door, I'm going to splatter you with a water balloon, and I show up at your door at 6 o'clock tonight, and you answer the door knowing full well I'm going to splatter you with a water balloon, and I splatter you with a water balloon... I'm an ethical person. Yes, but if you do that, so I may have my water balloon on this side of the door and you won't know. <laughs> One of the things that I try to help simplify is a way for us to really be valued fully is that the more often my word equals my deed in most cultures, when they see that alignment between what I say and what I do, and they see an equal sign, in most cultures they value that. True. Yeah, certainly. Now, morals contain ethics. Ethics do not contain morals. Here's why. Morals are a social construct. They're shaped by norms. They're shaped by access to resources. They're shaped by society and political things. And I mean, come on, look at this. We've seen this in our own lifetime. In my lifetime, I'm 54 years old. In my lifetime, I have witnessed how smoking it went from being just your typical standard thing that people do. It was even approved by the Surgeon General at one point that it's beneficial for your health. Yeah. That was and, and now smoking has shifted in many parts of the world where they don't want smokers around them. And unfortunately, sometimes smokers feel really judged. Judging is a byproduct of morals. Follow? That makes sense. Yeah. Certainly makes sense. Morals are constantly changing based on something. And we have seen societies turn on a dime about their attitude. I mean, look at, for example, same-sex marriage. Not more than a decade ago, no political person running for president would endorse same-sex marriage. Right? It wasn't even heard of when I was growing up. That shifted. The reason why it's shifting so fast is because people are coming out and they're saying, look, here I am. And people who know and love that person go, whoa, you're not the boogie person. They see that their word is equaling their deed, that they're not a bad person. 
the moral aspect begins to crumble, doesn't it? Heck yes. So the last half of the book, as we wrap up this journey of the hourglass, is by the time you're ending our journey together, we end on a chapter called Gratitude Guidelines, and this is based on all of the traditions that I've studied in. And in a nutshell, I ask you to ponder. I'll throw this out to Marsha first, and then each of you chime in with your thoughts. Marsha? What's the difference between gratitude and manipulation? Gratitude is when I feel so much appreciation for the things that have happened to me in my life that I can see my life in a new perspective. That every experience that I had was actually a very good learning experience for me. No matter what I have done in the past, that I can be at peace with myself, that I can appreciate everything in the world. Manipulation is the act of trying to get somebody to do what you want them to do. You're not being transparent with that person or not actually being transparent enough to say what the truth is, what it is that you want. And so you, rather than be truthful, you will find ways to make that person do what you want. I'll start with manipulation because it's something that I think that all of us learned as young children and, and how to manipulate our parents to get what we wanted. So we would exhibit these certain characteristics. We'd figure out, we'd read our parents and figure out, how can I get this type of reaction from my mom? so she'll give me candy or let me do whatever I want to do. Even if we had to fake that we were gratuitous, oh, Mom, thank you for whatever she was doing, <laughs> letting me go play outside or whatever, even if you had to put gratuitous, that you would do it just to manipulate to get your results. I've found that the questions that you ask really make me think. Like most people ask me questions that I can just spit the answer out like immediately, but the questions that you've been asking and even just this little time that spent with us I mean, has really made me dig deep and go. I'm going through a myriad of emotions, feelings. Uh, you realize that because you've worked with a lot of people I know. I'm very thankful to be invited to the call and that Marsha invited me because I've learned and experienced so much in this hour. Oh, my goodness. And I feel your gratitude, Rick. I really do. I thank you for that. I mean, as you can tell from what we're doing on this call, I don't talk about what we do. I do what we do. I find that to be more engaging than some sort of philosophical chit-chat. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, that, it's actually really amazing for me. I don't know what Shirley thinks. I know what Marcia is feeling about that, because she talked to me and told me to come here, so... I would say gratitude is when you are thankful or grateful or you have appreciation for somebody doing something nice for you that's been helping you do something and they have shown you how to do it and made sure you were able to understand it. To me, that would be gratitude. The gratitude would ha makes me become more focused and more appreciative of that person. So that's gratitude for me. And manipulation? Manipulation is when you try to get somebody to do something that they really, really don't want to do. You might want to say you might even argue with them 
until they just plain give in because they're tired of listening to you. <laughs> and to me, that's manipulation. <laughs> well, I, that works for some people. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but I have known people who have asked me to do something and said, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, and they just keep on and keep on and keep on. They try to wear you down. It doesn't work with me, but I'm sure it will work with some people. Finally, I'll just say, tired of this, I'm done, goodbye. <laughs> so, and what you've experienced, point blank, Shirley, with Marsha, do you sense Marsha is just trying to share with you something that she's very grateful for? Or do you think Marsha's trying to manipulate you to do something that you just maybe not want to want to do? No, she's not trying to manipulate me. She's trying to show me gratitude and a better way of doing things and... I am appreciative of that. So, no, she's not trying to manipulate me. I'm very pleased to hear you say that because in Chapter 10, as we conclude our journey, I posit this notion that genuine gratitude, for me, from what I've experienced and from what I practice, I'm just going to speak for myself, is strings-free. It's expectations-free. When I do something in gratitude, I have zero anticipation or expectation of anyone or anything coming back or being reliant upon or an IOU. Whereas manipulation, there is a string. There is expectation. And I posit the notion that one of the reasons why, and I'll wrap up and put a bow on this with the difference between giving and receiving with a quick exercise One of the reasons why I think we're so out of balance with giving and receiving is because we're constantly guarding ourselves from being manipulated. Heck yes. Exactly right. If I'm always on guard, if I'm always wondering what's Rick's angle, what's Shirley's angle, what's Marsha's angle, What's Ernest's angle? What do they want from me? What's their real agenda? And you reach out to me. Marsha, you reach out to me. You learn of something that I need and you reach out to me and you really genuinely want to help you, but because I'm so stuck in my paranoia that what does she really want from me? (laughs) It's more likely I'll say, Shirley, that's very kind of you, so thank you very much for offering, but I'll pass. It's easier for me to cut my knees off than to have to worry that there's some IOU that I'm paranoid about. I'm fabricating an IOU. You have none, but I can't accept that. So I'm going to reject your offer to help. Am I pontificating too much? Is this making any sense? Is it too esoteric? No, it's making sense to me. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So here's a little exercise. You're going to learn that in this journey of 12 months together, there are 33 exercises we're going to go through. And I ask for a month each chapter because there's enough material there that I want you to chew on things. A little exercise that I suggest that you play with, and tonight I'll kick it off. I'd like you to think about, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being you hate it, absolutely hate it, despise it, can't stand it, can't run away from it fast enough, 10 being, you love it, you embrace it, can't get enough of it, do it as often as you can. So 1 being, hate it, 10 being, love it. On a scale of 1 to 10, you don't have to tell me what your scores are. You can write this down. And what I suggest is on a calendar or on a piece of paper or whatever, just daily 
chart yourself on where are you. Well, start out with on a scale of 1 to 10, score yourself. What would you score yourself right now today in this instant, overall, big picture, on your ability to receive? You love it or you hate it? If you hate it, it's a 1. If you love doing it, if you love receiving, it's a 10. Think of what your score is. Jot that number down because it's going to change every day. It's going to change every hour, actually. And similarly, what's your score on giving? And our journey together is I want to help you establish a balance. I put it this way. This is the reason why I think airlines tell you to put the air mask on if they drop out of the whatevers before you put it on somebody else. It's not going to do me any good to put your air mask on first and then I'm dead. You know, it's not helpful for me, right? Right, especially if you're a child. <laughs> so what Marsha started out her call with is Marsha's beginning to realize that, Marsha, correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth. Marsha, you're waking up to the fact that the more you can receive, the more you can give. True? Yeah. That's our journey. My wife said that's our biggest it, it, issue. It is. <laughs> right there. It's receiving. <laughs> and largely because, Rick, I've seen this time and time again, and this is why I end our journey with gratitude guidelines, is we've become a culture so paranoid of receiving. We truly have become paranoid. The more we block that ability to receive the less we can give. Makes sense. All right. I like to always wrap up the our time together with just general questions and insights and ahas. My aha is that I'm only on Chapter 4. <laughs> and I have been dressed to really take a deep look at everything in my life, how the shift that I'm feeling, it, it just feels so different. And I'm not used to it so, but I'm, I'm going along with it. <laughs> I really enjoy having aha moments. I really do. And having to look at the things I don't want to look at, the terminology that you've used, such as, as worth decay and, and all those words that I've never heard before really put a lot of perspective on the, the balance in my life. That's what was missing right there, balance. So I'm going to keep stressing. <laughs> Woohoo! I got so much swimming around in there. Now we went through like a whole lifetime in the last <laughs> four and a half. <laughs> As soon as we hang up the phone, I'll have so many questions for Marsha. She'll probably put my delete my emails and put them into the <laughs> Right now, I sort of, it takes me a while. It like sinks in for a little bit. sinks in because I go sort of by feeling and I feel my most aha thing, I, I think, was I didn't expect this call to be what it is at all. From Marsha. I did not. I don't know why. I don't know what I expected it to be. But I am so delighted that what it is and what she's doing that I'm excited 
because it's exactly what I needed to hear too because I'm on the same journey as everybody else, human stuff. Wow. Well, if this were a video call, you would see my face all wrinkled up in smiles. I I have to share that because on more than one occasion, when people get involved in what I do, they often think, oh, I thought I was going to dip my toe into the kiddie pool, and before I knew it, I was swimming in the middle of the damn ocean. How'd that happen? They end. They better know how to float, at least, if they're going to come on these calls. Yeah. <laughs> you might think you know something and you've been around or whatever, but I find that you guys are very delightful in my book. I mean, a lot of regular mainstream mentality, they're really missing it. And after I got struck by lightning, I was looking for you guys, but I couldn't find you. <laughs> Watch out. You found us. Yeah. <laughs> I think the big difference for me is that this book is about me and my journey and how I'm starting to feel all aspects of my past, my my present, and how I'm really getting excited to looking at my future. <laughs> And it's so different because it's not just general knowledge that I'm getting here, but I'm actually having to do my own work to get to the place I want to be. And I am right now. I'm starting to feel that shift, that change that I so needed to have. And part of that, Marcia, is because I'm asking you to teach what you're learning, aren't I? Yes. Yes, you are. I have this demented notion that I learn more by teaching. So one of the things that I do in this program, it's a 12-month program. By the time we get to month number four, we're on chapter number three, and chapter number three is about mentoring, finding a really good mentor in life. Well, if you're going to find a good mentor in life, I put the notion out there that you better be a good mentor yourself. And so I challenge you to go out and start your own team. That's why Marsha invited you to this call tonight. She's starting her own team in July. And so she's going to start teaching what she's learned. She's going to co-pilot with me. And then I get to learn what Marsha learned. And I get to understand from a different perspective how the content that I've delivered to Marsha, what she's absorbed, what she hasn't absorbed, If there are things that I think Marsha needs to be teaching in class, I can present that. Maybe Marsha wasn't ready to present that yet. And so you get the best of both worlds there. Refreshing. It's really refreshing. Thank you. We have online tools that we set up for you so that when it's 2.32 in the morning and you bolt out of bed with this, oh, my God, i got to blog this, you have a diary that you can log into and share that with your team You can capture it so that your team can help you along the lines in between our weekly one-hour conference calls. And then in our one-hour conference calls, you're going to find that the more you use what we've coined the back office, the more you've got into your diary, you've got into what we call the water cooler, you get into what we call the virtual classroom. The more you use that, the more I can monitor where you're at in your process 
so that by the time we get into the call, I can dive much deeper, much faster, and we can use that one-hour conference call time to its maximum. That's amazing, the system that you have put together to help people. And the cherry on the cake is I'm a firm believer that the people that you know and love, because they are going to witness changes in you, you're going to get people going, what the hell are you doing? You're changing. They're going to notice in you more confidence in a compassionate way. They're going to notice more focus. They're going to notice more energy in you. And they're going to think you're on some drug. And all you have to do is tell them, go listen to my radio show. Because what I do is I, part of this process when you sign your program release form is you acknowledge the fact that we're going to record every class. I do that for two reasons. One, I know life happens. There's going to be a class you're going to miss. Well, I don't want you to miss class so that I, after the recording is done, I'll put the unedited version out there in our members-only password-protected library. And you can listen to that recording at any time. You can download it and re-listen to it and re-listen to it. To help your family and friends keep up with you, I then pay an assistant to buff it up a little bit. And I put it out on Blog Talk Radio so that As you're changing, you can invite your sphere of influence, as I call it. They can follow you. They can hear you change on that show. And so the changes that are happening in you, they won't be so blindsided by it when you start implementing some of those changes. A very classic example in one of my last classes I had a woman who their family honestly thought I was some sort of cult leader because this particular woman, was she was 62 years old. She's 63 now. But all of her life, she always said yes to everyone. No matter how much it cost her physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually, she always put herself last. And everyone took advantage of that. They knew that they could come to her and, and she would always say yes. Well, within four weeks' time, she started saying no. <laughs> and people were real happy about that. <laughs> and so I just told her, have your family listen to the classes that you're in and they'll understand. You've all been extraordinarily patient. We've been on this for quite some time, and I'm being very conscious that we're going on an hour, and I do thank you for your time, your questions, your attention. I think time is one of our most precious resources, and so you're sharing that with me, and I'm most grateful, most grateful. You are very welcome. And we thank you for taking the time out to talk to us. Absolutely. I really appreciate uh, Marsha inviting me to the call and, and you taking your time, Sol, and, and Shirley coming to and, and opening up and talking to us. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming too, Dr. Rick. Thank you. Thank you, Sol. Thank you, Sol. Thank you, Marsha. I really do appreciate you folks being in my life. Wow, (laughs) thank you so much for sticking with us. That was a lot of ground that we covered. We hope you enjoyed the information that you've received. Feel free to visit our site at pay411.co. 
the word pay, the number is 411, like you're dialing info on the phone, PAY411.co. There's a ton of information out there for you. I highly encourage you to contact Marsha directly. You can reach her at 617-833-9721. Again, 617-833-9721. Talk with her about her actual experiences, both as a student and as a paid instructor of Pay Me What I'm Worth. See if you qualify to join one of her next classes. I hope you do. I look forward to hearing you in class. Aloha! Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.